Welcome and thank you for tuning into Crossroads Church Aspen and our teaching ministry. We are thrilled that you desire to learn more about God and His Word. We also want to encourage you not to make this a substitute for belonging to a local church in your area. We are made for community and to be relationally connected to each other in the body of Christ. Remember, isolation kills, but community builds. We hope this message blesses you and draws you deeper into the community of Christ Church. If you've been with us, you know we've been in a series starting the, the year off with building our house. Just taking four or five weeks. Um, we'll close this out, uh, not next weekend, because next week is G3. Um, and to just uh, encourage you, hopefully you're signed up for that. You can go online, it's free. Matt Chandler from Village Church Dallas will be with us next weekend. A lot of our partners and friends, I'm going to talk about that this morning, will be here. Uh, it's the one time you as a church family come together for the weekend, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning right here. Both services, Matt will be preaching, um, which is just an awesome opportunity to have him with us. Um, it'll be a great, great weekend for that. So uh, we will close this service out, not next weekend, but the following weekend um, after, after G3. But this morning, we're going to dive in. We've been talking about our five marks of uh, healthy church for, uh, that we're leaning into as we look ahead for the next five and, and ten, well, and on going. Obviously, we talked about what a praying church was all about as we started this off. But a healthy church needs to be a praying church. A church is about the presence of God that knows how to talk to God, that disciples people into a personal relationship with God, that when they come to worship, it's not singing songs, but uh, we come with a sacrifice unto God as we're here. We're his people, we rejoice in his presence. Uh, all of those things. Uh, a healthy church is a, is a disciple-making church. We talked about the importance of what a disciple-making church is all about. The discipleship is different than a felt needs, like, like getting my life in order with certain things. Discipleship is learning to follow Jesus and on small groups, just doing what Jesus did with the 12, right? Uh, the important piece that's missing so much of our church life today. But also, a healthy church is a community-building church. It's a family of God, and we must build community. We know we're, it's built into us. We need community. Uh, we talked about what that looks like here and some of the things we're going to be pressing forward to to help build community, especially in this very transient uh, place. We talked about uh, church as an equipping church. A healthy church is one that equips. We'll be talking more about that uh, in a couple weeks, actually. Uh, and finally, a healthy church is a church-planting church. Um, and let me get where I need to get here. I'm going backwards, sorry. Hold on. We'll get control of this. There we go. Um, a church-planting church. Now, I say that, and some of you are going, well, wait a minute. What is that? I, I just can kind of tune out. What does that have to do with me? You know, this idea of being a church-planting church. Well... Um, just listen, it has everything to do with you. Um, this morning we're going to dive in and talk about that. I'm going to break down the scriptures, the scriptural mandate for this to understand what this is all about and why it's so important that we're a part of something bigger than we are right here and why that's so important for us. Uh, talk about the scripture in that and then I want to just share with you all uh, our church's network of partners um, that we are in partnership with when it comes to church planning and missions globally and locally. Uh, and we'll uh, talk about that and then hopefully have time for a little bit of Q&A as we have in this series. Just any questions you have about uh, our church and in church planting and, and why do we all come together at G3 next weekend? Why is that important for a church, for a healthy church to, to, uh, to experience that? Um, I grew up 
when I was young, I, I, I'm from Texas, grew up in, um, in uh, Texas, and we had a large Texas family. My mom's side is all Texan. My dad was born in Canada. It's a wild thing. Um, but uh, we grew up every Thanksgiving uh, going to a massive uh, family reunion. It was like a pilgrimage, and, and I start, we started this when I was really young, and uh, we'd all, it was like, you know, pilgrimage, we met in, um, anybody from Texas, Madisonville, well, one of my uncles had a, uh, <clears throat> a big ranch up there, and, and so, you know, everybody drove up, everybody brings the potluck, and, and it, to be in our family, you, you had to be a Dallas Cowboy fan, <clears throat> if you weren't, you were excommunicated out of the family, so that's just how it worked. And so it was the, the, the Thanksgiving time around watching the Cowboys and, and a massive meal. And, and you were there with 50, 80, 100 people that you're like, who are these people? Um, and, and you would start to meet them. This was, this was family. And somehow we related aunts, uncles, grandparents, on and on and on. And, and uh, at first it was kind of, you know, I was younger, like, oh, you know, I got to meet these old people and whatever, you know. And there was younger kids, so we go off and play. It, it became fun. But as the years went on <clears throat> and I started growing up, it's it, it like, wow, you, know, you sit down and you hear the stories. And then you realize, wow, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a part of that. And you'd have connections and you'd go visit them. They'd open doors for you and, and you'd hear the stories of your great-great-great-grandfather who was one of the original Texas Rangers. And you hear about monuments and they tell stories of old. And, and uh, you, you start to be overwhelmed with, wow, I, I, I'm a part of something bigger than just my little, my little family that I'm a part of. Um, you know, folks, that's really how healthy culture used to exist. It wasn't too long, actually, um, <clears throat> first early part of high school, it all stopped. Uh, for one reason or another, it's amazing how you have different patriarchs and matriarchs in the family who kind of hold. You know, there's those people in the family who, who are used to kind of rally everybody together, right, in, in different times. And, um, and for some reason, those, you know, people start dying off and, and the younger generation just didn't carry it on. Uh, and, and I bet that might be some of your story as well. If you even had family reunions that took place where there were multiple generations with lots of family involved. Because you know what's sad, folks? It's a dying thing in America. Because the family structure has been fragmented. And we've tried to redefine what family is from a healthy standpoint. And we think somehow we can uh, uphold it and we cannot. And it's amazing, isn't it? Just think about how fast, right? Just in some of our lives, things have changed and this individualism, this, this independence and this isolation has taken over and we've lost the need to, to be a part of something bigger than we are, to, to value family and, and larger family structures and the value of bringing that together and passing down tradition and, and making connections with family members. Is, it's almost lost today. I mean, I'd be willing to bet we would have very few of us that today could stand up and say, yeah, I'm a part of an amazing family reunion every year, right? We have special occasions, usually funerals or weddings, right? But something that's this annual pilgrimage where we come together and we celebrate, we tell the stories, we pass things down, right? The generations is, that's how life was done. You had your tribe, your clan, and it was, you were new. You grew up, there's security in that community. There's security in being part of something bigger than you are. But with that dying today, um, 
boy, and, and people getting older, and, and we've embraced this highly independent view of life. We do our own thing. We have our little cocoon, and, and there's no sense of heritage. There's no sense of legacy. That's one of the problems with our community here. Where's the family? Where's the heritage? Where's the roots? Some. There's a little here. Where's that anywhere? Where's that being found anywhere? It's critical for a healthy community to exist. And we were built for that. Right? We were made for that. And you take that down and you read the Bible and the Old Testament. Why do you think God commanded his people seven times a year to make, three times you were commanded to come to Jerusalem itself, but seven times a year you were to come together as a larger community and celebrate God as family together. Right, the only little window we have of Jesus when he was uh, alive was when he was twelve, and right, and he went up to uh, one of the uh, just these celebrations with his family. Remember, it talks about they were in a caravan, right? It was the whole clan, right? There was tons of them headed up, right, with all the others to celebrate that weekend together, God's presence and their heritage and family and community, right? And and Jesus gets lost up there, right? And um, yeah, I must be in my father's house. And you take this into the New Testament to Hebrews 10, and God commands his people, do not forsake gathering together. Do not forsake gathering together. If you want to know God, if you are part of his family, you, you gather together and you celebrate gathering together on a regular basis. This is where the heritage is built. This is where family is built. This is where intimacy is built together. But again, boy, don't we see what's happened? Not only is the family structure in America just completely corrupted and, and, and fragmented in so many different places and, and, and having a healthy way to come together and to celebrate the generations, but how that's crept into the family of God is that what? Church is what now? In, in most American mind, church is about when it fits into what? My independent schedule. What does that church have to do for me? What, is, what, is, what, is, what am I going to get out of that church? How are they going to serve me? Does it fit into my little, my nice independent schedule? You know, that was never God's intention of family or his church family. And so one of the reasons why we do G3 every year is simply to do what God commands us to do is to value being a part of something bigger than we are and being part of the mandate of God to be about multiplying his family and being in family partnership with others and coming together and connecting new relationships, new things about the kingdom of God, right? And in and, and honoring God in this principle that we see in the scripture of don't forsake gathering together is you'll forsake life itself and the tradition, the heritage, right, that God has, right, for his for his people. And when God's people do that, it's amazing the overflow blessing into our families itself, right? And maybe God even will awaken you to be a, a light of grace in your family structure to rally people together for times of celebrating family and community. So um, here's at the core of why church planting 
This isn't a side thing. This isn't something that, uh, you know, is an option out there for, for a healthy church. It's part of the Great Commission itself. It is a command of, of a healthy church to multiply, send, equip people, and multiply the family of God all to the ends of the earth, right? Locally, translocally, and, and all into, to the ends of the earth. It should be the fiber. It's not just for a select few. It's for everyone that walks with God, with Jesus, because it is family. It is this thing we all need to know. I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And God has given his mission, right? And is to go out, right? And so I want to leave this, before I get into kind of the scriptures here on this, I want to leave this, this statement here, which we're going to kind of break it down in scripture. But I want you to think about this. There is no greater experience of friendship and fellowship than partnering with other believers for the discipleship and church planting mission of Christ. And maybe this week you just take some time to evaluate your own family, the quality of the friendships, relationships you have, lifetime friendships, lifetime community. You just think about this in light of, of God's word that we're going to look at this morning. But, but this is a statement that is, permeates all through right, the scripture um, and in life. There is no greater friendship. There's no greater ability to experience fellowship with people than when we partner with each other for the cause of Christ. Now, most of us, again, in our highly independent life today, our friendships are built around what? And let's just let's talk about our own community here. What were most people's friendships built around? Hobbies, work-related things, skiing, biking group, my... Hey, and that's great. We have some great friends. We have great fellowship. I love being a part of all that. Right? Fishing group, your hunting group, your whatever it is. And there can be great friendship and great fellowship and great fun and adventure, plan trips, plan vacations together. That's awesome. But you know what? We're missing out on, a, on the most deep and, and the thing we really need. Nothing in all of your life can touch the experience of friendship that is circled around the cause of Christ. That when people come together in friendship, and all my, again, it could be around all kinds of activities and fun things, but when the core of that friendship is centered around, right, that we, we are centered around discipleship and the mission that Christ has for his church, that's a lifetime friendship. That's a friendship that will, God will bless and strengthen. We see it all through the scripture. Right? David and Jonathan, right? His hearts and covenant de deep. We, we read some of the scripture. It says it's a love so deep it can't even be described. Actually, this morning, do you have those kind of friendships? Because you know what? In the American church, we're struggling in this area big time. Because still in the American church today, we circle our social groups around cocktail hour, around business, around a hobby, but is it circled around the thing that is going to bring eternal, lasting fruit and is going to take us to a place of fellowship in depth, in relationship that God has for us? Because when it's all said and done, the older we get, the quality of those relationships starts to get fleshed out in time of need and everything else, right? Is, is it just about having someone bring me a meal when I'm sick? Is it just about having someone that is giving me a call when I'm down or when I'm getting older and I'm isolated? Is that really what it's all about? 
Or does God have something more for us to bind together, to lock arms, and to pray with each other that the kingdom of God would be expanded, the glory of God, that we'd learn to be salt and light together, and that in our time and friendship together is that the main thing we're doing is we're pushing each other on to what? Be followers of Jesus. Right, to, to, to lead our home, right, that, that is a blessing, to love our wife like Christ loved the church, to, to, to use our resources for things that will bring eternal value and not just some temporal thing. That more of my time is spent less on how I'm decorating my house than it is on am I building the house of God. I'm going to meddle here. I'm sorry. I'm just, right, I'm, I'm doing it in my own life too. But I just ask us, how much time do we spend with our friends talking about the stinking new thing we built or gear we bought versus expanding the kingdom of God? Now, I'm just telling you, where's that friendship going to go? If it's built around those things, it's, how deep is that going to be? How fulfilling ultimately is that going to be? That's not what God intended. That's not what the family of God is all about. He wants so much more for you. There's nothing wrong with all that stuff to rejoice in what God is doing. But if that's all, if that's the main thing, and when it comes to, to circling up in the conversation, what we talk about, what I talk about is what's on my heart. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I'm consumed with. With what your treasure is where? Right? Yeah. Right? Folks, does that make sense? And behind all this is the mission of the church, discipleship, being involved in each other's lives that we would grow in Christ's likeness and go for everything he has for us. And then how can we help expand that? Be salt and light in my workplace, my vocation, my family, my neighborhood, whatever it is, and to the ends of the earth. Let's, let's step out in faith. Let's get crazy. Let's, let's, it, that's what the church should be. It should be this buzz of a family and, and, and so pleased with God. Lord, let me use my resources to, to Lord, Lord, what can we do with you, God? What, can we plant another church? Can we equip some people? Can we send them out? Let's get excited. Let's get behind all that. And folks, it amazes me that I'm going to go through a list of amazing people we've sent out of here who are doing amazing things locally and globally, right? And there's people in this church that still don't have any clue about that and whose attitude is, oh, I, yeah, that's not for me. What a small myopic view of life. You're missing the core of what partnership with God is all about. And following him is all, but he's inviting us into this glorious adventure. And it is where our friendship, it is where our soul and our passion right, gets excited when we're in partnering with God to carry on the mission of Christ. Right? Christ didn't come to be our therapist, folks. Right? You know, he came to call us into a radical, come pick up your cross daily, follow me, come and die for my cause. Unfortunately, that's not the gospel that's being preached in America today. The gospel that's being preached in America today is Jesus is your homeboy. He's your therapist. Come, he's going to make you feel, he's going to meet all your felt needs. He's going to make you feel happy, wonderful, and prosper. No, that's not the, this, this, this not the gospel. If that's what you're looking for, the church of Jesus, the, the church is not the place for you. That's the world. And, and, that, and that will be the level of quality of relationship that, that we will experience if that's all we're, we're going for. So this glorious adventure, if you have your Bibles, 
Turn with me to the book of Acts. I just, I want to just focus in. There's so many places we could go here on this issue because it's a big issue, right? Is I, I want to just, to just zone in on this beautiful little church uh, in Antioch. It was one of the first uh, kind of sending churches that was planted out of Jerusalem um, from Pentecost on. And uh, I have this somewhere on uh, my, all right. I don't know why I'm all messed up here with my, ah, hold on. We'll get there. There we go. So uh, Peter Wagner said this, planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic method known under heaven. Every statistic, there is nothing more effective for reaching new people for Jesus and mobilizing people's gifts, everybody's gifts, than planting new churches. Nothing. There's no program. There's no evangelistic crusade. There's nothing on the face of the earth that's ever come close to being as most effective like planting new simple churches with normal people who are gifted in the body to go and do it, right? like we see in, in the scriptures. Matthew 28, everybody should know, obviously 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. He says, go make disciples, right? Of all nations, he says, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how that's fleshed out in the scripture. When you talk about baptizing, people are baptized. We're baptized into a local body. It's not some individual thing that we do just out there and we stay disconnected. Some, ah, oh, this is my own spiritual experience. No, it's a communal thing. It's a public profession in front of family, friends, and the local body. And how that's fleshed out in the book of Acts, which we'll see is always in the advancement of the kingdom through city to city, to countryside to countryside, to, uh, to little churches that meet under a tree, to big mega churches that build big buildings, all shapes and sizes. But, but the family of God represented uniquely in each little place, wherever it comes, um, being this family of salt and light, a light on a hill, uh, all around uh, the world. But this uh, church in Antioch, <clears throat> chapter uh, 11 of, um, let me just do a little background for us here. But um, Pentecost has come. The early church, Jesus ascended. He left 120 in the upper room praying and waiting on the gift of the Father, which was the Spirit. The Spirit comes 10 days later on the Pentecost, exactly on the fourth feast of Israel, when Israelites were commanded to all gather together in Jerusalem as a family. And it was where God met them. God meets and he promises his presence when God's people are faithful to gather together, not when we're on our own little individualistic journeys elsewhere. It's very important. Is he, he, his presence, where two or more are gathered, in other words, He's all about his family gathering together regularly. He desires to meet and commune with us in those environments. And uh, so Pentecost comes soon after Pentecost. The church just blew up, right? Amazing uh, what happened in Jerusalem. And uh, <clears throat> it was going quickly, but quickly persecution came. It broke out, and this is where Saul, who became Paul, was he was a religious zealot, right? And, and they stoned Stephen, was the first martyr right there. And, and, and that persecution just erupted the church, and, and God used what was really a bad thing to explode and expand the church. And it, and it sent uh, the people all out with the good news to back to their countries and places to, to uh, speak of the good news of Jesus. Pick up in, in uh, uh, Acts 11, verse 19. So now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, 
speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, um, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks. Now, this was a radical thing back then for Jews to actually speak to Greeks about God. This was huge. And this is proof of the Spirit of God breaking down racism, breaking down religious barriers to the gospel that is to go uh, out to everyone in the whole world, right? Preaching the Lord Jesus, verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and he saw, in other words, Jerusalem's the home, that's the home base where things begin. And they sent Jerusalem or Barnabas out to check this out. And when he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord and steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. It was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians, which means followers of Christ. Saul, um, who became Paul, right, uh, says Barnabas went and got him because what happened here before this a few chapters is uh, the very persecutor who broke out this persecution uh, himself was on his way to Damascus to uh, take, off some, take some Christians off to jail. And remember, Jesus met him on the road of Damascus. He had an encounter with Jesus, and he was saved radically there. As, and God made it clear in his call that he was going to be a special instrument used for his purposes for expanding right, the gospel into the Greek world, Greek-speaking world um, at that time. And uh, so Barnabas went to get Paul and bring him back to Antioch, this new church plant that's going and that is on, on fire, and to teach. And they stayed there a whole year teaching, equipping, building up, right, the, the church. And then um, we move to, uh, to chapter 13. And it says in verse 1, Now there were in the church of Antioch some prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Manning, the lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Here we find Saul. And uh, they, they were, he just pointed out a couple of the spiritual gifts that were operating in this, in this church. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. And this is what the word uh, to send out is apostolic gifting, being sent out to expand right the, the, the work of God and to plant churches, make disciples and plant churches. Um, and then if you just flip over with me, chapter 14, and uh, part of, just to want to step in on part of Paul and Barnabas' journey here as they took the gospel to new areas. Starting in verse 19, chapter 14, it says, but, the, but some Jews from Antioch, and there was a cause, the Jews were, were, were disturbed by this new movement, and they persecuted heavily like they did in Jerusalem. They left Jerusalem to come after Antioch to follow the disciples and to persecute them. And it says some of these Jews, they left Antioch, and they came to Iconium, where Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel. Having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. Remember, because they, their, their accusation was, he's a blasphemer. Now listen to this. They stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, and he entered the city again. Well, what can we explain that? I could get really graphic in what was going on here, gang, but um, 
The only thing to explain that is the love of Christ, the love of God for people. Is to be stoned by people and then to get up after miraculous healing and to walk straight back to the people who stoned you, right, is, is only explained by an amazing love and a call of God. Nothing else can explain that. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lash. You think some people listened to him after he walked in all bloodied up? I think he had their attention. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, all these cities that they had, had uh, preached in, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. It is simple. Planting churches doesn't mean you have to raise a, a building, have hired staff, and have this huge complex denomination or anything. The way of the scriptures is simple house churches and blessing and discipling them and raising up until you get people who are qualified that can meet the biblical qualifications of elders and appointing elders over that simple church. And if that church grows and grows and grows, sure, make a building, make it bigger. But some, in other words, the scriptures were clear, is around the world, just like in this valley and in our nation, we need big mega churches, we need house churches, we need small churches, we need medium churches, we need all kinds of churches, right, that are shining the light for God and who are working in unity, right, for the mission that God right, has given us for his glory, right, for his glory. And then we flip all the way back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. And Jesus said real clearly, clearly to all those who follow him, go make disciples, right, of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, the idea of baptism is not just some individual spiritual experience. Baptism is a family event. It's a family celebration. It is ideally to happen inside the family as part of a person's public profession that Jesus is their Savior and that they're now part of the family of God. It's a public family great celebration, right? And that family, in other words, baptism is typically in the, in the uh, uh, throughout church history, it, it was the first step that of, of someone that says, yes, I believe God, I'm saying it publicly, and yes, I, 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 I want to be part of the family. This is where I, I, want, I want to commit and, and grow and, and serve and honor God and be part of this grand kingdom work that God is doing of, a, of building healthy family, restoring healthy family to people's lives and expanding that love and grace and mercy right throughout um, all the nations. So that is just, we could go more into the scripture, the details, but I think we've, a lot of us have grown up because maybe we've gone, you know, grew up in maybe a, I don't know, a high church, very structured environment is that's all man's traditions. Do you realize that? That's all man has added all that on there. And that's fine. But unfortunately is that we get in the way, don't we? A lot, oftentimes we just can, and that's what the Pharisees did was they added all kinds of rules and requirements to please God Right when it is pretty simple, the gospel, which is Jesus has done it. I have to have faith to receive it. And once I receive it, I'm depending on God now to start working and transforming right, my life and moving right, in my life right, to transform things. So um, this is the importance of, of this idea of church planting. For a healthy church, it must be a sending church, an equipping, discipling in sending church. And this idea of sending doesn't mean you got to go to Africa or to, you know, Mongolia or something like that. 
it, it means that I need to live with the mentality available for God is that when I wake up today, Lord, I'm your sent one. And by the way, the first apostle sent one was Jesus in John 17. Jesus praying his prayer back to the Father says, Father, you have sent me here, right, to redeem and bring good news to this world. Now I am sending them out to carry on the mission. And that's not for a few special, you know, apostles, not just the 12, right? Obviously, there's just the 12, but the gift of that, every one of us, right, should have the sense of, if we're following Jesus, it means to be available to him and to be a light for him. Wherever we go, at our workplace, at home, at school, at go down the list, is that we're to, we're to be in that place for him to be an expression of his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, the fullness of the beauty of the gospel in that place. That, that is, is, is what we're called to, right? So... Um, what I want to do now is, is just share a little bit just about our family structure here in our church. Many of you um, probably don't even know uh, how, how big of a family maybe you're a part of here in this little mountain church. Many of you probably don't know the history of, of sending and what the Spirit of God has been doing over the year, years through our church. And, and this is why every year, right, to be obedient to what we see in the Scripture, that we do G3 because G3 is primarily a family reunion. It's time to bring our church friends. So I'll talk about some of those. But our partners, the ones that we've sent out from here or we've partnered with for one reason or another, to come back, be with us so you can get to know them, so they can tell their testimonies and be encouraged by you, and uh, we can hear the stories and grow as a family, a larger family, and rejoice in God working here his calling and his ministry, right, in the life of the church of growing our family, right? And, uh, and to have the privilege to be able to come alongside some of these amazing people and to hear their stories and realize that's one of your families. That's a spiritual father for you. That's a spiritual mother. That, that's a friend. That's a sister or a brother in the Lord that's, that's doing that. This is what church is supposed to be. So as you know, many years ago, not many, I, well, yeah, was it seven, eight years ago maybe now, Tim uh, and Marina O'Keefe, uh, Tim served as an elder with us here in our church. We were praying into this, maybe it's, boy, longer than that now, I don't know, but we were praying into this, Lord, show us, and, um, and they got a heartbeat for Glenwood Springs. Um, they sold their home, they packed up, and they moved to Glenwood Springs, where they are today leading Crossroads Glenwood Church. They, they meet for worship every Sunday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. at the Hotel Colorado. Uh, if you're down there, if you're driving through or whatever it is, is go visit them. Go visit your family. Be a part of that and, and, and hear the stories. And uh, if you're on a trip and you're driving through Glenwood, call Tim up, call Marina up, take them out for coffee. Get to know them. Get to know their story. Get to know what God is. And, and let's just expand the conversation here. Talk about, you know, remember our, our, our ski friends or these different friends that we circle around. Well, what's the level of conversation? We need to go deeper. We need, to, we need more. We all want more than just a scoreboard or this or that or whatever it may be. We're made for more, right? And so just simple things. Take them out for coffee and say, look, Tim, tell me what is God doing in this city? What do you think God's doing here? What got you here? How can I pray for you? You know what, what, what? Those are kingdom questions. Those are questions that God is supremely interested in. 
Those are the kind of questions that move out of myopic, myopic little world of dealing with my issues, and I move into expanding myself, making myself available. God, I want to know what you're doing here. I want to know where your heart is in this city and in this life and this person in front of me, right? And we should do that with all, all of our, 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 ourselves, asking more kingdom questions. What do you think God is doing here? What do you think God's doing in our family in this season? What do you think he's working? What do you think he's, he's, because he's always working, right? We don't see it, but God is always at work. The question is, are we in tune with it? And are we asking kingdom questions? God, what do you have in this relationship right now? Well, what are you doing in this friendship right now? Is it moving the right direction? Are we laying hold of something, something big, something for your kingdom, right? Purpose, mission, we created for that. Amazing thing is that God calls it in all of our, our mess. God calls us into this. He's given us, right, uh, the responsibility to carry it on, right, for him. Tim Marina doing amazing work down there. But I just encourage you. Take part, take advantage of the family reunion while they're here. Or if you're cutting through, get to know them. Just get to be interested and what God is doing through them and how he moved in their lives and their family and everything else. Sandbox Church, you all know Brent and Daniel, the whole Phillips family. Brent was on staff with us here for about seven years. Um, had to leave, you know, we had visa issues and everything and how God works, moved him back to, to Houston, Texas, um, back to where I grew up and, and uh, they planted Sandbox Church several years ago. Sandbox Church is an amazing church. It's a whole different model. It's a marketplace church. It's a house church movement. They're, plant, they're sending out three different churches in different areas of Houston this year alone, right? It's amazing, amazing, vibrant, young couples in, in this church. Uh, everybody there is, has, has a marketplace. Nobody's, nobody's paid on staff. Uh, Brent, he works for a, a high-tech company. That's the model, and they meet in churches. Uh, it's amazing. If you're in Houston, go check it out. It's your family. It's your family. God birthed it here, sent it out from here. It's pretty awesome what God is doing in an amazing way in a whole different beautiful format probably than most of you ever experienced or, or grew up in when it comes to, to church, right? How about Rick and Colleen? Years and years ago, boy, we sent Colleen out first to the Middle East and then uh, the wild, amazing story of how uh, they got engaged over in the Middle East as well. And this couple who has... Uh, lived in this valley, a beautiful home in this valley for the cause of Christ. They left here and they went to go take the good news of Jesus into the hardest, darkest places in the world. They spent time in the Walken Valley. They spent time in Afghanistan and Kabul. They spent time in Pakistan. Um, they're now in Nepal. They spent time in the Middle East where they got me arrested by Hezbollah. And, you know, uh, hey, let me tell you, unbelievable. That's your family. That's part of your family. Do you know them? Do you know their heartbeats? Have you taken them out for coffee? Have you asked, what is God doing right now in Nepal and India with amazing work happening with Muslims coming to Jesus and, and, and such at a rate and, and these leaders are multiplying little houses called Jamaats and, and I've been there, I've been with them and to hear these, to be able to go, they would love for you to come. I'd love to take you. And to sit down and hear these Muslims come to faith, to hear their testimony, their love and passion for Jesus that has cost them their life and their livelihood. They bless us more than them. But that's your family. That's what they're out there doing right now. They'll be back. Rick will be here. You can see him here for G3 this next weekend and we'll be part of a panel and let him share some of the amazing stuff they're doing. Why do they do that? 
Because they were willing to be sent. They were willing to hear the mission and passion. Do you realize the friends they've introduced me to, the number of, you know, it's a promise of Jesus. What does he say? Remember, what does Paul say? Paul, excuse me, Peter says, Jesus, Jesus, but look, we've left home. We've left everything to follow you. What about us? You know, and what did Jesus say? This is the most profound thing. He says, listen, those who leave family and home for me, in this life, they'll have more homes, friends, and family and especially in the next life. And what I know to be effective, I've experienced that a thousand times over because what did Jesus say? If you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you try to build your nice little retirement world and control it and, and control your friend groups and everything, you will lose it. It will not satisfy. I, I don't know how many more years and expression in our culture do we have to prove that to ourselves, Right? But if you lose your life for me and, and take hold of my mission, I will multiply your friends around the world, multiply houses that you're invited into. Life becomes an adventure. It becomes what Jesus promised, what? Abundant life, abundant life. Boy, India, my doctor, we sent out my doctor. I have to do telemedicine now. You know, so Dwayne and Joanne, we sent them out just, what, a little over a year ago. Amazing what they're doing. Again, a beautiful career, beautifully set up in Aspen, Colorado. And what do they take off for the remote reaches of the Himalayas, right, to bring medicine and the gospel good news to people in a really rough area? They're so full of life. They're living at a whole nother level, right? That's your family. That's your family. And they'd love to host you. They'd love it, right? Amazing. Why do they do? Why? What? Right? Sometimes we just have to ask, what, what, how? Right? Because for some of us, right, it's like, I can't even imagine that. But just start with, what is God doing here? Hey, what, how did he move in your life this way? Right? And how can I pray for you? How can, talk to me. What's happening? What's, what's God, the stories and the testimonies, folks, we sit there for hours. Hours and hours. I mean, what do you, what do we want to grow, you know, old listening to? You just want to listen to, you know, more sports stats and more, you know, how many days skiing or my golf score or just go down the list. Or do you want to hear people's testimony about the supernatural work of what God is doing around the world? Wow. And folks, you're going to hear some of those testimonies this next weekend. If you're G3, you're right here. Philippines, Andrew and Cassandra Plyce. Cassandra was with us in our church years ago. Her father's Jim Baker. Many of you know Jim. She met Andrew. Andrew, amazing couple. And uh, we have a chance to support them. <clears throat> they, with their little kids, they've been equipped. They're out to this little island, or not so little, but uh, one of the southern islands of the Philippines, that there is no written language, that they have the scriptures. They're out there. They're permanently there. They've moved in to bring the light of God. They are studying the language so they can, all, they can translate the Bible and build God's church. They'd love to host you. That's part of your family. Amazing what's going on in their life. Talk about adventure. Just talk to them. It'll bring some spice. And also, it'll make us realize, oh, I, I don't have anything to complain about. Right? Right? Middle East. Munio Chase, Ruskis, who grew up here, right, was with us for many, many years. Recently met Megan, how God works in his sovereign way. Again, I said all the time, you want to, if we want to find someone, a healthy relationship to move towards, you would just keep our eyes on Jesus. We serve Jesus. And you know what? Sooner or later, we look to one side or the other. And you know what? Somebody else is running that race. And God brings a beautiful union together for his mission. That's how he works all through, through scripture, right? 
And uh, they're in uh, the Middle East, can't say where, but folks, they're training, getting ready to go in one of the hardest, toughest places to go out because they're con- con- constrained. They're, they're moved by the love of God to get to this hard place with the good news. So some people who are some really tough people um, could experience the love of God. That's your family. Amazing. You have a chance to engage with them, be a part of their mission, right? And be part of what God is doing. You don't have to go. You can be a giver. You can be a prayer. You can be a, a friend, a support, because they're your family. They're your family. And how about Greg and Sally Livingstone? Um, maybe some of you don't know Greg. Greg will be here for G3. You need to get some time with him. You need to know Greg. Greg, uh, 80, 80, 80, close to 80. He's right now. I don't even know. But he's one of my heroes along with Rick. Here he is, 80 years old. You know what? Can you talk to Greg. You're not going to talk 10 minutes. You know what? 80 years old, he's not worried about his retirement. He's not worried about his house. He's not worried talking about how he's decorating, new redecorating, not worried about his golf score. All he's concerned about is getting a team of people to bring the love of God into Libya and into Iraq. And he just, at 80 years old, got back from Iraq not long ago. That's his passion. That's what you're going to hear about. He pastored the church in the 70s for three years. He launched out of here to plant, to start Frontier's largest mission agency to uh, reaching Muslim people with the love of Jesus around the world today uh, in, the, in the toughest places in the world. He is part of your family. He's a spiritual father to you. The question is, are we going to move towards that? Take full advantage of that. But he'll be here. And finally... Uh, Michael Miller is a wonderful friend. He and Sarah, Michael uh, has been with us at every G3. Michael served at a church in Denver and in Dallas. He has just, as of last week, moved. They've moved back into Denver. They're planting a new church in Denver to reach the growing population of, of millennials. He will be with us. And also what we're saying is, who's going to go? Who wants to join in that radical adventure? We have an incredible opportunity to partner with him in this new venture. You're going to hear about it. You're going to have an opportunity to be a part of it and to, uh, to jump in there. This is, what sh- this is where things get exciting. He's part of the family. He's part of the partnership. There'll be some other friends that will be here next weekend um, uh, that love for you to meet. You'll, you'll hopefully hear from them. Uh, uh, some, a church out of L.A., um, some great folks who are here. Um, uh, Scott Wynn and Claire. Scott is the pastor of OB Joyful over in Crested Butte. Gang, as much as we hike back and forth, make it your point to be there on a Sunday if you can. Phenomenal church, doing an amazing work. We're wonderful friends. Bless each other. And uh, he'll be here with some of his team uh, next weekend uh, also. That's part of your family. That's part of your family. And folks, I could go on, but I hope that encourages you. This little mountain church, look what God's doing and has done and still doing around the world. The question is, and what I'm trying to plead with you, that's your family. G3 is the reunion. Is this is not just for wild, crazy people, (laughs) super spiritual people. It's for all of us to be a part of in our unique way that God calls us to, whether we're supporters, givers, prayers, friends, supporters, you know, whatever. Or just to go out. You know how it blesses them if we show up there to show and to experience and see what they're doing? That's your family. That's your family, right? Derek, come on up. Um, Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you. Lord, uh, boy. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come on us because, Lord, I I feel with a message like this, it it can be so overwhelming, God. Um, 
It's like, where do we, where do we start or where do we fit into this? And Lord, I, I just pray that, Lord, that you wouldn't, we just silence the enemy in any distraction right now. Lord, I, I pray for every one of us right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come in in a real tangible way. Lord, just encourage us. We're your children. We're part of your family. And you have a big family to introduce us to, to, to in this world. And wow, what is heaven? Heaven is going to be the most glorious family reunion ever. Ever. And God, you love everyone so much that you desire us to be those vessels, messengers of love, of grace. For those who don't know you, those who are trying to build their home on this earth. Lord, I pray a blessing over every one of the folks that we get to partner with. Lord, I pray that your spirit would do something profound this next weekend as we get to exchange the testimonies, the stories, as we get to encounter each other, encourage each other. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just come. Father, overwhelm your children with your love that we have a loving heavenly father. His arms are open wide. And God, you have good things for us. And Lord, let us see that your plan for that is those, that goodness flows as part of being part of your family. Lord, come speak to us, minister to us, encourage us. In Jesus' name. Just take some time and the Lord leads, just come to his table to realize that's the table prepared for you by your heavenly father who loves you and has paid the price for your sin by sending his only son from heaven to earth to come after you and to bring you into his family for all eternity. It's pretty awesome. Nothing like it. So just enjoy him this morning as we close our time. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.